before that, though, we have got some very, very special guests in the studio. Uh, Gwemi is in the studio Hello. as well. Hi. And we have got uh, two VIPs. We have got Mrs. Joanna Roper. Um, she is the special envoy, the Commonwealth Office's special envoy for gender equality. Um, and we also have, okay, I'm going to try this now. <laughs> Lord Bofis. Well done. Yes. The first female British Deputy High Commissioner to Nigeria. Con- Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, how, I know both of you probably have extremely busy days. So how have your days been so far? Well, my day's been fantastic. And uh, in fact, I've had a fantastic three days uh, here in Nigeria. Okay. It's been my first time. I don't think it will be my last. I'm pretty confident I will be back here. Um, and in fact, as you as you know, Tools, um, I've spent a day in uh, Maiduguri mm-hmm. and a day in Abuja. And today I'm in Lagos, getting a real sense of what Nigerian life is like, yes. but with particular focus on gender equality here. Good, good, good. Uh, yes, I have been talking about it all day. I spent <laughs> I spent a good portion of the handover between the morning rush and myself talking about my trip to the uh, Bakasi IDP camp in Maiduguri. So um, just in case you didn't know, this is how it happened. So Mr. Paul Arkwright was on my show in December and he said, oh, you know what? You should come to, um, you should come with us uh, when we're going to, um, when we're going for our next trip to an IDP camp in Maiduguri. And I was, I thought, um, okay. I think, I think when he said it to me, I just didn't know what to say. <laughs> and he said, no, I challenge you, you should come. And I was like, well, okay, let's just see how that goes. And earlier this year, I got a message and I, I was really, really scared. And then, of course, a week before, um, you know, our trip, the, there was, there was a bomb blast. And I had to send several messages saying, <laughs> is the trip still on? Is it still happening? I was absolutely terrified, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot during that trip. Um, I learned that there's so many, you know, there, there are some fantastic organizations um, working um, and doing their best to empower the people that, that are in those camps and uh, particularly women. And I'm going to just get you to talk a little bit about your role, what you do. And um, what, which the organisations you um, monitor, look after, and what they have done within the IDP campaign in degree. Great. Well, thank you, and thank you for coming along. And um, I mean, I think you've described um, actually the sorts of like the lives that people have had to endure throughout the conflict. Actually, and we know that conflict affects many, many people in many different ways, but particularly it affects women and girls in very distinct and very specific ways. And I think. Um, going up to the Bakasi camp was really eye-opening for me too to see how uh, internally displaced people, IDP uh, communities, are having to live within the camp. So um, it was very interesting to see, for example, young children trying to resume their education, going into the school mm-hmm. and listening to te- the teachers um, about what they can do to try and resurrect and, and give these small children uh, an education, but equally, as you've said, tools, um, how uh, older women, women who, ha- who perhaps haven't been able to go to school in their lifetime, are themselves trying to make most of the opportunities in literacy uh, and other lessons, in fact, um, up in the camp as well. Um, I think we both saw um, women who had taken advantage of some of the opportunities to create their own livelihoods yes. as well. And there's a, a project that um, through NGO. Uh, the NGO organisations up there are lending funds to women to create their own businesses, to create their own, uh, for example, trade, okay. uh, trading opportunities, which I think in, in many ways helps those women regain 
confidence, but also the ability to support their families uh, as well. So that was very, very powerful too. Uh, there was there was a, a woman that we met that was I guess we're both fans of her, um, Fatima, yes. and she was absolutely amazing. I've, I think I've talked about her once already, but I'm going to talk about her again. So she um, had seven children. She had seven children. Yes. Unfortunately, her husband was killed, um, and she arrived at the at the IDP camp with pretty much nothing. Yes. Uh, so she was one of the recipients of this seventy thousand naira grant which some people are probably listening saying 70,000 naira is nothing, but she was able to start a business and she grew that into three businesses Ooh. and she was able to look after, she's able to look after her children and she sells, I don't know what they're called, but they're these things, um, they, they look like scent balls where you put them in the fire and, you know, uh, makes everywhere smell nice. She had that, she sold other things and she also um, had her daughter making clothes. Yes. Okay. So she really seemed to be a very, very um, smart businesswoman. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and you're right. I mean, and she had a real sense of pride in what she was doing. She was also teaching other women those skills too. So teaching women to... Uh, you know how to use the sewing machine um, going out to the market buying the fabric coming back and making those clothes so she had really created uh, this role for herself and that had given her a really good sense of of self-worth and we saw other women too perhaps not tailoring but uh, uh, sort of um, making pasta and Mm -hmm. selling to uh, local uh, local families there too so there are lots of ingenious ways of trying to create uh, means of livelihoods which which really help uh, up there. And for people that might not know, uh, what sort of issues um, in terms of gender equality, what sort of issues are, um, are, are women over there facing, women in mid-degree, women really across Nigeria? So I think, as I said earlier, I mean, conflict affects many, many communities, but in particular for women, um, we know that it affects them and, and children too uh, in very, very specific ways. So, for example, we a big focus for uh, the UK is girls' education. It's a big focus of what our development department, DFID, does, but also for the Foreign Office and the Foreign Secretary. Helping girls get into education and helping them stay there is really important. And in conflict areas, we see that girls are two and a half times more likely to be out of school. Their schooling, their education is disrupted, and it's very difficult for them to get back into that system. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that has subsequent impacts on their lives and the inequalities that they will face in later life too. So that's a big that's a big uh, concern and a big priority for us. And I think the work that the UK government uh, across the board has done on uh, women, peace and security is really important in this respect. Um, Nigeria is a partner for us. Um, the UK launched its fourth national action plan just last week and we did another event uh, in Abuja yesterday um, which was which was really well attended and where we can work with Nigeria both at federal and state level um, is really important. There's lots that we can do and that takes the form of um, supporting women's empowerment, women's voice in politics for example and in particular the role, the role that women can play in Uh, conflict resolution, peace reconciliation negotiations, because there is data, there is evidence to support that when women are meaningfully involved in those peace reconciliation negotiation processes, then uh, those processes themselves have a 35% greater chance of lasting for 15 years or more. And that's something that we can't ignore. We need to get more women into those peace processes around the world.
Um, I'm going to see if Bemi has any questions because obviously I imagine this is something that yeah, I mean it's, 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 it's a lot, and then there's so many questions that I have. Um, in doing this and in pursuing the goals, have you received any opposition or any? Should I say uh, basically? Have you faced any obstacles? Yeah, obstacles. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Basically, I mean I know you can't go into necessarily details and <laughs> stuff like that, but has there been every, any obstacles that you've you've and what are they? If you so can, so I think. I think looking back uh, around the world, you know, clearly gender inequality takes on very different forms. Mm -hmm. And we can, in very many areas, recognise that progress has been made. Mm -hmm. But equally, I think it's a long journey. And I think there are lots and lots of challenges still facing women and girls around the world. And Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is basically close the gap between men and women Mm -hmm. uh, and boys and girls. So everybody has the same opportunity, the same access to education, Mm -hmm. the same ability to live their lives in safety and without fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And inevitably, you know, there are conversations and discussions that need to take place to help that long term um, journey, if you like. Um, but that mean that shouldn't mean that we shouldn't be up for those conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to engage. We need to talk to people and set out not only that it's the it's the right thing to do because there is a very morally compelling case for this, but actually it's the smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we know that when, for example, women are meaningfully involved in the economy, then they bring a huge amount to contribute to that economy and thank close you. the gap. <laughs> yes, exactly. thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you because I think we we, we over the last um, you know sort of two days I think we've met lots of different people yes. yeah. and it's quite interesting uh, the the is it a school or community um, Pasha, Pasha uh, community where we were yesterday it's the engine the engine, engine yes, school, yes yes the engine school um, there was a young lady that stood up and just said well she stopped going to school because her parents thought that as a girl her education wasn't as important mm. as her you know male siblings mm. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, oh my! It's it's just shocking that you know this still happens, and it is still yeah. Yes. But it's it actually still happens. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we also have. A, how do I refer to you? You can call me Law. Law. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I I don't know if I'm commissioner or something. Okay. So you are the um, like I said earlier, the first uh, female deputy commissioner to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your role? Sure. So I am um, basically responsible for um, taking forward the British government's work here in Lagos and in the southwest. Um, given that Lagos is the economic capital, obviously a big element of my role is about uh, supporting uh, economic partnerships between the UK and Nigeria, um, strengthening our commercial linkages, trade, um, and supporting economic development more broadly. But beyond that, of course, I take forward other um, political roles, including obviously promoting the rights of women and girls, as we've just been discussing, mm-hmm. and, and supporting the plethora of objectives that we have as the, as the UK and Nigeria. Okay. And you, how long have you been doing this? I know I've been here for 11 months now. 11 coming months. Coming to my first anniversary. <laughs> so um, uh, thank God for Google. I <laughs> just quickly put your name in there. And apparently you used to work in um, what you, you were working um, on a project in Rwanda, was it? That's right. I was okay. running the UK Department for International Development in Rwanda. Okay. Um, so what kind of things did you do there? So I was responsible for the aid program. Uh, we were spending about £80 million a year in support of poverty reduction uh, in Rwanda with uh, a focus on um, in strengthening good governance, uh, again, uh, inclusive growth and economic development and uh, human development and education, girls' education in particular. 
Uh, what kind of challenges did you face then? And are they similar to, I imagine... I was going to ask that, actually. Because <laughs> I was looking at her, her um, and they, they list Rwanda, they Ethiopia, list India. India. Countries that have similar uh, issues with yeah. with Nigeria. Yeah, so, yes. with you know gender equality. Um, so what kind of uh, obstacles, what kind of challenges did you face there? And are they similar to the challenges you're facing in Nigeria? I'd love to think it's been a very, very smooth journey so far. But I imagine there are a few things that you'd probably, you know, like to remove. Yeah, so it's a really interesting question, actually, in particular between Rwanda and Nigeria. There's a lot of similarities, but huge amounts of contrast. So mm. I've come from a country in Rwanda of less than 12 million people for the whole country, and I've moved to Lagos, a city <laughs> of nearly 20-something million people. Um, Rwanda's <laughs> quite controlled, quite top-down, very clean, um, not very chaotic, mm-hmm. and I've come to wonderful Lagos, which is quite the opposite. <laughs> uh, very chaotic, not very clean, um, uh, the, cha- the chaos brings spice but, but exactly, to your life. Um, <laughs> dynamic, um, entrepreneurial, edgy, uh, creative, entrepreneurial, you know, all the wonderful dynamic things about Lagos. So that's been a great contrast. And I've loved um, having gone to, from uh, Rwanda to Lagos rather than the other way around. I mm-hmm. think if I were to go back now, I might... Um, a little bit bored after having been <laughs> privy to the joys of Lagos. Well, okay. they, they kind of say if you can um, live and survive in Lagos, you can survive anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So um, in terms of your work in Nigeria with regards mm. to, you know, gender equality, mm. um, what what else other than what Joanna has, has mentioned, what else um, are, you, are you doing sort of within your role uh, to, to promote gender equality in Nigeria? Yes. So I've spent quite a lot of time um, looking at and promoting um, violence against women and girls, or mm-hmm. rather uh, the fight against violence against yes. women and girls, I should say. So it's interesting to look at it from a conflict perspective, as Joanna did, but we have to recognize that this is um, a challenge across the country and yes. not just in conflict areas, as mm-hmm. we know. And the statistics, I think, are pretty well known. Um, one third of women uh, in Nigeria uh, over the course of their lives will have experienced at physical violence. When mm-hmm. you do the math in a country of 180 million, roughly 90 million are women. Mm-hmm. A third of that is 30 million women, mm-hmm. right? So that's one that's third of your listeners mm-hmm. uh, and 30 million women in the country, which is totally unacceptable. So mm-hmm. um, what we've sought to do is raise awareness about this issue, uh, contribute to breaking the silence, to ensuring that women who have been um, the victims of violence know that it is not their fault, mm-hmm. encouraging them to speak out working with policymakers to ensure that uh, legislation is in place to support these women and to provide them with uh, 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 support in, by way of health services and the like uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think mostly for me, there's a, there's a key piece around awareness raising, around violence, but also the value of girls, mm-hmm. changing them from vulnerable uh, girls to actually uh, women who are in control of uh, their choices, uh, mm. who are able to seize opportunities and who are strong and powerful and recognize how wonderfully unique uh, they are and how they're able to control their own uh, destiny. Okay, thank you. Uh, so there was, let me ask you a question actually, Bimi. Mm-hmm. There was a question that uh, Joanna asked me on the trip and I didn't know the answer. Okay. Uh, so she asked if there were organizations in Nigeria that um, that re-educated uh, men, men, young boys, um, on how they view women, because I mm. think I think the mindset in Nigeria is something that really, really needs to be looked at. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, we both know that there's some guys out there that think it's actually absolutely fine for me to physically discipline my wife. Mm-hmm. That's what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine for me to, you know, to do this and to do that. And 
as much as you're, you know, we can be shocked and horrified by this, sometimes this is actually all they know. Yeah. So are there organizations like that? I, I didn't know. I didn't know I any. Don't, I don't know any organizations like that. I do know that there are NGOs out there that just seek to generally inform people, you know, and just educate people. But again, um, every day on social media, especially Twitter, you know, we have conversations with people there's you know all sorts of conversations about gender about equality about feminism and things like that and you know people are getting educated and that's great but a lot of people in nigeria don't have access to twitter or social media and they're not maybe possibly educated or even have the resources to get on social media so really uh, those people are the ones that we also need to find a way yeah. to reach, you know. Um, and also, again, this is a country that has 70% of the population are under the age of 35. So the youth are very, very important. So we need to talk to those people as well, the young people, the people who are not necessarily um, in the urban areas and so on and so forth. Um, I don't know of any organization right now that like is doing what you said or what, mm. what she asked, but I think... It's definitely interesting that um, we need to maybe introduce those or I guess talk to the NGOs out there right now to make sure that they educate the men on these things. Basically. I think, I mean, we've had some fantastic conversations yeah, over yeah. the last few days on this very point. Um, and men and boys can be so powerful mm-hmm. as agents of change mm-hmm. in showing that particular behaviours are not acceptable or mm-hmm. not um, appropriate. So having male role, role models who... Um, say no this is not acceptable mm-hmm. or yes it's okay for your wife to you know to, to, to go out and work exactly, yeah exactly um and um sort of political leadership political will is also important i think so having male champions who can lead that uh, uh that that route as well i think is, is really important we had some other really com- good conversations over the last day or so about the role of media mm-hmm. and you talk about social media as a mm-hmm. very powerful medium radio particularly when you're trying to reach the the communities in in rural areas and also films and movies and and Nollywood I think yes. yeah somebody did say Nollywood yeah. um, I this was at the women in politics discussion and it um, came up today at, as yes, well over it, a, a conversation of women and entrepreneurs and how we can use how how different media can be used to yeah. sort of transmit and slowly slowly change those those uh, those ways of thinking Uh, Annette, if I can just piggyback on the question. So, in fact, there was a program funded by um, the UK Department for International Development called Voices for Change, which did just that and looked at how do you promote um, positive masculinity Mm -hmm. um, for boys and men in Nigeria, which is exactly what we need, right? To celebrate men for being what they are and to say you... You don't have to be uh, violent to be a great man. And mm-hmm. here's the values that make a really modern, uh, wonderful, uh, loved and respected man in Nigeria. And I think we that we cannot uh, win the battle for gender equality unless we work alongside men. And it's really important that we re- remind ourselves of that. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned um, uh, male champions that would also influence uh, people. Because I remember when, you know, the last year or so when the gender equality bill came up and... During the news, we played some sound bites from some of our political leaders, some of the senators, and some of them were so upset about this bill. And some of them were even said, how dare they present this? Do you mean to tell us that women now want to do what they like and go anywhere <laughs> they want? And I was like, this is a senator. Oh, my God. Like, really? You know, I, I, I had to play it back. <laughs> and it was the conversation for the whole day because some people did not understand. Some guys were like, well, what's my business? Why, why should I be concerned? And I broke it down. 
and to and I feel like a lot of times we just need to break down conversations and simplify them for them to understand. I gave an example of you know if you have a daughter one day or you have daughters one day and you know you pass on and you know because they are women they can't inherit, inherit from yeah. your you know things like the, and some guys were like oh and some guys were like ah oh, well uh, you know so eventually i mean it's not everybody that is going to be you know become champions of gender equality at some point in time but i feel like like you said the nollywood movies the, mm, the media mm, mm. and so on and all these organizations would definitely play a, a huge role um, I, I would definitely love to hear more about um, this project. Uh, so I got this I got this little booklet in, this was at the House of Assembly uh, during our, our visit yesterday. And I've been showing it to Gwemi. And I'm sure there's some things there that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So this was, this is about the Violence Against Persons Act uh, that was, well, they tried to introduce it across the whole country, of course. This is, this is the act that Gwemi was talking about. So there is a booklet and it basically says a simplified version because I know that lots of people were jumping in on that conversation but they didn't know exactly what it meant the specifics yeah yes so i think it's very very important for in my opinion i feel that um getting the information across to the right people seems to be one of the most important things Mm -hmm. so um having people having an organization go around and saying okay before you get upset this is what this bill means this is what it means it's going to mean to you so the lady that's selling tomatoes pepper down the road she needs to understand that this is what this bill is about this is what it means to you um so i know i've, I've asked you that um do you have any plans joanna to maybe like just like you you asked me maybe um start a, a project that you know it feels weird asking you to do this when we should be doing it ourselves um, but maybe support a project or um a um, an organization that will make sure that the people in the rural areas they know their rights they know more about gender equality that you know the women and men there um, feel that gender equality is a, is a cause they should champion do you have plans for that so I think I mean as you've said I think this is something that um, perhaps uh, you know media organizations and the um, for example the gender technical unit and others who are working on this might think about how you um, uh, sort of promulgate those messages. One of the things that we need to do after this visit is think about the next steps. But I think, you know, the British government has been following progress uh, of this bill for, for some time and we're watching it, uh, watching to see how it, how, it, how it progresses. But I think, you know, helping uh, and, and sort of spreading the message about what it does mean and what it doesn't mean um, is, is always a helpful thing to do. Okay, and um, I learned something. I learned something yesterday as well. Um, so we were lucky to have a um, to get to have a meeting with the Senate President, Mr. Saraki, and um, he said something quite interesting. So these bills, you and I can, you and I, you know, when we can read them, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking through the books and I'm like, okay, that's right, that's right, that's right. But there are certain parts of the country that, because it seems to be against religion, it seems to be against culture. The senators don't won't push for this kind of bill because they're considered unpopular, right? Mm. I think that's what we we mm. you know uh, we we uh, talked about yesterday, and I, I I mean I thought about it, but I didn't really think how important that was. Mm. So if in a community they kind of you know look at this bill and they say, well, no, it's against you know this religion, it's against that religion. Of course, it's not going to be something that, you know, a sentence is going to say, no, definitely, we need to do this. We need to do that. So that's something that I learned. Um, OK, we have been talking for a little while. I think we've we've covered quite a bit. Um, so can I just ask uh, both of you? I'm going to ask both of you the same question. Uh, there are probably people that are listening and saying, you know what? It's fantastic that you're doing this. 
how can people get involved? How can people get involved with the gender equality movement? How can people, you know, make sure that the message is um, spread across Nigeria the right way? Should I start? So thanks um, very much, Tools. I think there's so many ways and it's a fantastic question. So first of all, I think, you know, speaking uh, to your point about does this, uh, is this anti-certain religions, anti-certain groups, North, South, etc. I think the first thing is bust those myths. This is not a, a anti-anyone. This is not a zero-sum game. This is a win-win. You know, promoting women's rights is actually good for everyone. Investing in girls' education, we know, is a great return for the country in terms of the health of children, include, increased um, productivity, uh, more jobs, etc. The same goes for all aspects of women's rights. So I think that's the first thing we can do. Bust those minutes, talk, uh, bring out the facts and the evidence out there. Second of all, I think we all have a role in how we uh, relate in particular to the younger generations and boys and girls. Mm -hmm. So ensuring that when we educate our daughters and our sons, we educate them in the same way. We encourage our um, daughters in particular to excel at math and science uh, and football. And we teach our boys in the same way that we would our girls to, you know, uh, learn to cook, for example. And I think Mm -hmm. we can all do that. Third, I think we all have. <laughs> we're laughing because you're about to set us off. Ooh, I've got, I've got <laughs> you're about to set us off. Oh no, no, we've no, had no. this conversation Ooh. so right. many times, but we'll let you finish. Sorry. Well, I was going to say a third point. Oh, that's fine, and I'd love to hear why, why you <laughs> set off. Um, third, I think we all have a, a role in um, speaking out when we hear sexism. I think we hear it on a very f- common um, basis, and we often let it go. Mm. And if we could gently point it out, I'm not mm. saying in aggressive fashion, yeah. because in, in fact that's what we must demonstrate that this is not it's not aggressive it's Mm -hmm. actually about coming together for the greater good and if we speak out when we see things that are actually discriminatory or unfair or uh, preventing girls from expressing themselves and the like if we all do it gently i think that you know bottom-up movement can make a real difference which should be an empowering message that actually this is not just about decision makers policy makers high uh, level influential wealthy people it's about all of us we can all make that difference um uh, in our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. okay uh, so sorry the reason we were laughing is uh we have these conversations i think maybe every other day yeah uh so you know for example i i told uh joanna about um when i was leaving south africa i was leaving cape town i was going to johannesburg and I was so excited because the crew on that flight, it was almost all female. So the, the captain and the first officer were female and I just got very excited. So I got to take a picture with them and I posted it and somebody actually said, oh my goodness, some guy who was like an engineer or something. He said, you're really good. If I'd seen a woman, um, you know, as a pilot of the plane, I would have gotten down. I wouldn't have gotten on the plane. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was just thinking the fact that you, you've said this so openly, so confidently, you don't see that as wrong. So we have these conversations a lot. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know if you agree with me, but w- one thing that I think is, I think it really is a mindset mm. situation. It, it, it is a mindset. And I think that is also passed down from generation to generation. Even as simple conversations like, oh, um, like you're driving on the road and someone says to a guy, why are you driving like a woman? You know, gently, like you said, let mm. them know, you know, that's, you know, that's not really appropriate yeah. women are capable of driving properly yes we are we drive properly some women don't drive properly some, some guys don't, don't drive, drive properly. properly you know it's simple <laughs> as things like that um i think we need to, or why are you acting like a woman when you tell yeah. a guy that basically trying to say that maybe women are generally unstable or um, emotional mm. or you know just little things that we say to each other as friends i feel like we need to pretty much just 
uh, caution ourselves because a lot of us internalize sexism and we don't even know. Mm. There's there's something that you said um, just just a few seconds ago, Laura, that I think maybe can relate to the whole growing up. She's the only girl, right? Mm-hmm. She's the only girl, mm-hmm. and I know you said this several times. Where um, growing up, you were the one that was in the kitchen, yeah. and the boys weren't in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like, well, you're the girl, you have to cook. Mm-hmm. You know, the boys don't have Is to. This cook. how you're gonna act in your husband's house? They ki- they start to say this to girls as young age. as yeah. age five and six and seven, and I'm like. Sh- let the kid be a kid she's seven why are you telling her about her husband's house or you know things like that and even before i even knew what being uh gender equality was or being a feminist i remember very vividly i was nine in the kitchen with my mother we're sweating cooking and then my brothers were upstairs playing video games i unplugged everything (laughs) i was like everybody into the kitchen now we're all gonna eat this food right right my mother didn't know what to say she was she she didn't know i was like everybody like i unplugged the games like nope nope we're all gonna help out we're all going to eat this food, so we're all going to help out. And that's so, pretty much how I've always been. So I think that in general, everybody needs to be involved uh, because I feel like we all need to be well-rounded individuals and ladies don't shy away from things that are quote-unquote traditionally for men. Do you understand? Jobs. Exactly. Okay, sorry. Uh, before I get um, you to answer the same question, Joanna, I'm just going to take a few tweets. Um, Call Me Dio says, this interview is so insightful. I love it. Gender equality all the way. And um, I think we, well, we've half answered your question. Funky Keck says, hi, how 